I want to read a prayer to you, and it should sound familiar uh, before we get started into the sermon. Jesus was asked, and he was along the way in teaching his disciples and doing life with people. They said, Jesus, how, how should we pray then? If, if we're going to pray, how should we pray? And he said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Father, you are the greatest of all time. There's none like you, there's never been any like you, and there will never be any like you. You are infinitely better than anything that we could experience on this planet. And, and Father, I pray this morning as we press into you in your word, God, Lord, that you would open our eyes and open our ears and open our hearts to receive all that you have for us. God, we don't want to miss anything this morning. So God, I pray that you would help us this morning just to kind of quiet the noise from the world around us and really key in to what you're saying in your word to us. My ultimate prayer this morning, God, is that you would make us a people of prayer. God, make us a people of prayer. And we will be incredibly grateful in Jesus' name. Together, everybody said... Amen. All right. For the next uh, few weeks, we are, th this week we're going to talk about prayer. Next week we're going to talk about fasting. And then uh, three weeks from now we're going to talk about uh, forward motion, what it looks like to move forward. So this week is prayer. Next week is fasting. All right. So plan your lunches next week accordingly. And three weeks from now is forward motion. This morning I, I want to just spend a little bit of time talking about prayer. And prayer... Uh, is, is sometimes tricky because everybody does it on some level, typically, right? Um, we've been at ball games or on a team where, where people will start praying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and everybody like starts chiming in and at least giving a good mumble. You know what I mean? Anybody tracking with that? Anybody ever been in a gathering where some start reciting a prayer together? It's like, hallowed be thy name. Yeah. Well, this morning, I really want us to key in together on what it means to be a people of prayer and why we should pray at all. I believe oftentimes as, as believers, uh, we've conditioned ourselves to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and really just kind of do this thing rather than realizing that there is a power that we often do not tap into that is available to us by the grace of God through Prayer. So, if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to just to jot this down. Jesus and prayer. If you look in the New Testament, there were about 25 times that Jesus uh, prayed or he was teaching how to pray. He was inviting his disciples to pray. He was demonstrating prayer. He was teaching a parable on a good way to pray and a bad way to pray, what we'll talk about in a few minutes. But he was training his disciples Listen, you do not train your disciples. You do not spend a, 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 a certain amount of time unpacking the how-to and the why in front of people that you love unless it really, 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 really matters to you. So what we glean from the text, when Jesus turns around, looks, like, it looks at his disciples and says, hey, this is how you want to pray. And then he follows with his teaching, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He's teaching his disciples how to pray because prayer is valuable to Jesus. And listen, if prayer is valuable to Jesus, then prayer should be valuable to us. 
Amen? It should be something that matters to us. It should be a part of our lives. This is what I love about Jesus in prayer. One, not only did he pattern this training of his disciples in how to pray, but he communicated its centrality in the worship of God. He communicated how central prayer was to the worship of God. And now listen, you, you hear me, I drive this point home all the time, that worship is not, we don't compartmentalize worship to just our certain brand of music or the styles we like or the services we like or a certain personality of a preacher we like. Worship is not an hour-long segment of our lives. It is our entire being, right? So if that is true, I want you to hear what Jesus said when he quoted Isaiah 56, 7. These things I bring you, I bring to you, got real southern on you, didn't I? These things I bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Moving a little further into the new Testament, when Jesus encounters people misusing uh, the purpose of the courts of praise, misusing the purpose of the gathering place of the people of God, a place that is supposed to be a, a place of prayer and of worship and adoration for God, where you kind of get to leave the city and get into the courts of praise and really begin to do business with God, Jesus walks in and there's these people who are, who are selling sacrifices. And Jesus goes on a holy tirade. Can we just say that? Like he begins to flip over tables. He begins to drive people out. Now listen, this is the one time in scripture, every other time you see Jesus teaching, he's got like a kid on his knee and he's holding a lamb in one arm. Like that's the way that we see Jesus teaching a lot of times. But this is a moment where Jesus is flexing on all these fools who are messing up the worship of God. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. Listen, this is so applicable to our own lives today because there's so many times that we make this house a million other things that it's not supposed to be. This is to be a house of prayer, a place where the the glory of God and the person and work of Christ it, it is taught and, and is celebrated in such a way that there's, there's open doors to the community and there's open doors to every tribe, every language, every nation, and every tongue. This is supposed to be a place that, that makes Christ accessible to the lost and lonely, a hospital for sinners. This should be a house of prayer. Notice in Scripture, he didn't say my house will be a house of music. He didn't say my house will be a house of preaching. Listen, I, I, get, I get free reign to say that because I do both of them, right? She's like, I don't really like that. I don't really care because I do both of them. So this is dangerous for me, right? Not a house of music. Not a house of preaching. This place, if it's known for anything, let it be known as a house of prayer, a house of communication with God to where you and God are doing business together, where there is real, authentic relationship. The, the base level, the foundation, the bedrock of this house should be a house of prayer. Now, if you'll give me the permission, I want to stretch this a little bit. 
Because when Jesus dies, the Bible tells us that the the veil in the temple is ripped from top to bottom, right? The Holy of Holies is now accessible to all people. And he says that he'll no longer dwell in tents or buildings made with man's hands, but he dwells in the hearts of the believers. So you know what this means? Based on John chapter 15, when Jesus said, if you abide in me, I'll abide in you, you're the house. You're the house this morning. Beyond this church where all the kind of houses come together to make a city, if we could just stretch that analogy, I'll just beat it like a dead horse all day if I have to, but right? Like all of us come together to make this city like that's set on a hill that cannot be hidden, that shines the light of Christ. John 15, he said, abide in me and I'll abide in you. That word in the original language literally means to make your home in. Jesus was saying, when you make your home in me, I take up residence with you. The Holy Spirit dwells within the heart of the regenerate in our lives. He takes us over. See what that means? It means when we read this verse, we have to flip the mirror around. Is this a house of prayer? Is this a house of prayer? Uh, Listen, this sermon is not going to be a sermon that tells you to do better and pray more. This is a sermon where I hope we can together see the beauty and the glory of God in Christ and how he was teaching on prayer so that we could draw close to God with freedom and without shame or pride. But you have to ask yourself this morning, is this house under armor? Anybody know their phrase off the top of your head? Protect this house. Even the world gets it. They're closed and to protect this house. This is your house. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. So I'm asking you this morning to ask yourself the question, is this house a house of prayer or have we made it so many other things that it's not supposed to be? A couple observations of prayer this morning and, and really the lack thereof. When I was, when I was thinking about the sermon and begin to grapple with the implications of what it, you know, when we look at prayer and how Jesus prayed and what Jesus taught about prayer, this is kind of inescapable. One of the main reasons that we sometimes do not pray is simply our pride. And and, and let me unpack it for you this way. I got this. I got this. It's just a job. It's just a relationship. It's just a, I mean, it's, just, it's just a move, right? I mean, I got this. I'm smart. I can figure things out for myself. I, I, I've got this under control. Until we don't, right? Can we be honest with each other this morning? We, we're smart and we have it all under control and we can manage everything until the day that we don't. And for every one of us in our lives, in some capacity, there's, ha- there's been a day, at least a day, where we haven't been able to keep the plate spinning. And you know what happens? Instead of prayer being a holy privilege that we take part in on a consistent basis, it becomes the last resort. <laughs> right? Rather than going to God in prayer and seeking his direction and praising him and, and, and him offering us this guidance and us just walking with God in step with his spirit, uh, John Piper actually says that praying for the believer is a lot like just breathing in. It should be, it should be that known to the believer that it, you, it's just subcon- you just do it. 
You make this habit of praying so that when you go to make a move or you go to make a step, you're just you're talking to the Lord about it. But see, a lot of us are just playing cleanup with our prayer life. You're like me at a meal a lot of times. And I'll just be honest with you. I've been eating with lost friends and unchurched friends, and I'll be like three bites in, just talking there, be like, everybody's just kind of looking at me awkward because I'm the preacher, right? And they're like, hey, TJ, you want to you bless our food? Like, you know, that'd probably be a good idea. <laughs> let's, let's pray. But see, our lives are like that a lot. We're three bites in before we acknowledge the one who gave us the food in the first place. And this goes so far beyond just food. We're three steps into a decision. We're, we're, we're beginning to change and shift the trajectory of our lives. We're into a relationship. We're into a vocation. We're beginning down a path. And we're two or three steps in usually before we stop and say, you know what? Maybe I should consult God about this. Prayer should be breathing for the believer. But oftentimes it is our pride that keeps us from seeking his face. I got this. I can handle it, and you, you can until you can't. So my encouragement today is that we would lay our, uh, myself included, that if God's people would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. He tells us that in the scripture. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, there's a reason that he led with humble themselves. Because we're not. So it would do really well for you and I to get face down before God in our lives on a consistent basis saying, God, I just want to talk to you. There's another reason, though, this morning that some of us do not pray. It's not just pride. It's the other end of the spectrum. For some of you this morning, you haven't approached God in a long time because of shame. You sit in the pew and you walk through life and you think, man, TJ, if you knew the baggage, if you knew the brokenness, surely God doesn't want to hear from me. TJ, if you knew the sin that I've been living in, the shame that I've been heaping on myself, you, you would be certain that God did not, does not want to hear from me. Listen, this morning, as, as serious as I am about not letting your pride keep you from God, this morning, don't let shame that either your own self-doubt or the enemy might heap on you keep you from communion with God. He sent his son to the cross to abolish your shame so you could have an audience with the king. Do you hear me this morning? Shame was swallowed up in victory at the cross. So whatever brokenness you bring to the table, whatever shame that you bring to the table that you think, oh, I don't know if I want to approach God because God might not want to receive me like this. No, listen, he sees you and he wants to free you from it. He wants you to live free and whole and healed. But we never will as long as we allow our pride or our shame to keep us from talking with God. Prayer is a precious privilege, not a last resort. I want, I want to give you practically this morning just a really simple plan for prayer. You say, okay, TJ, if, that's, if, if I'm going to humble myself, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stiff arm my pride and embrace the grace of God. All right, I'm going I'm, I'm to allow my shame to be covered by the blood of Jesus, and, and God doesn't hold it against me, so I'm not going to hold it against myself anymore. I'm going to begin to pursue Christ. How do I do that? I want to give you four simple things this morning. There's only four points and 13 sub points, so hang with me. 
Number one is confession. Confession. You say, TJ, how do I pray? How do I confess to God? Honestly. Honestly. Confession is just a time where you sit before God and you acknowledge who you're not and who he is. Confession is an opportunity for you to sit before God and lay bare your soul and all of the brokenness, all of the hidden wounds, all the little pains, all the little roadblocks that keep you from really following Christ. Confession is an opportunity to sit with God and say, God, listen, I know that I'm not, but I know that you are. So let's, let's do this thing. Lord, let me confess. You may say, TJ, are you sure God really wants my confession? You really, you sure he wants to hear about my brokenness? Listen, when Jesus came on the scene, we talked about it last week, Matthew chapter 4, verses 17 through 19. Jesus' first message when he comes out of the wilderness dealing with the devil, he says to the world, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know what he's saying? Confess. Turn to me. Come to me with your confessions. Luke 18, 9 through 14, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners and unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give Ties of all that I get. Yuck. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes, but beat on his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This scripture teaches us that there is a wrong way to pray and that's the way the Pharisee pray. You know what's beautiful? That God, Jesus, delighted in the most simple confession. You may say, TJ, I've never done that before. I've never had a, a prayer of confession with God. I've never repented of my sin. What does that look like? Well, just take, uh, take some lessons for the tax collector here. God, I'm a sinner. Be merciful. It's really simple. I, I'll say it like this. One of my best friends, uh, when he received Christ at 15 years old, he'd never been to church. He's really freaked out by church. He goes to church. He hears the gospel. He goes home, gets in his closet because he heard somebody talk about a prayer closet, and he literally, literally thought you were supposed to go home and get in your closet. So he goes home. He gets in his closet. He kneels down, and he says, God, I don't know what to say to you. Thank you. That was his first confession. God, I don't really know what to say, but thank you. He heard the gospel that night and what Christ had done for him. And this simple confession of, God, I'm a sinner. Thank you for the cross was enough. This morning, you don't have to incorporate these and thous in old English to make yourself feel good or others to look at you in, in a way that you'd like for them to. I would just love at some point you would be honest with God in your prayer life. That you would confess to him your heart that you would just unpack all the things that you think and feel, even if you don't think God wants to hear it, even if they're uncomfortable, even if you're frustrated or angry with God, confess that to him. Confess your heart. Moving on, not only is there an opportunity to confess, but 
Scripture lines out some beautiful examples for us to make petitions. So not only confessions where we're confessing our sin, but also petitions. Listen to James 1.5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So listen, we are encouraged in Scripture to ask God for the things that we lack. We're encouraged in Scripture to do that. Don't be discouraged if you have deficiencies. Don't be discouraged if you don't have courage or you're struggling with fear. Or you, 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 right now you lack the willpower to say no to some sins in your life that have just kind of been beating you up. Don't be discouraged. Just begin to ask. Because you've been given freedom to approach the throne of grace and ask God for things. God, give me strength. God, give me the power to follow you. God, give me the power to say no to my sin. Ask this morning. You've been instructed to in Scripture. If you lack wisdom, whatever you lack this morning, ask God. And I'll say this when we're talking about petitions. Ask God for yourself, but then ask for others. One of my favorite scriptures is Luke chapter 7, 1 through 10, where all of these friends had one friend who was... um, he was disabled and he was unable to approach Jesus. He was unable to get to the presence of Jesus. So these friends, and I'm just going to summarize the story, they just rip the roof off of these people's house and lower their friend down to Jesus. There, there are some of you who you've had times of confession in your life and you know how to ask God for grace and mercy. You know how to ask God to give you the strength to, to do life and reflect his glory But listen, we live in a city and we're surrounded by people in our families, in our peer groups, on our teams, co-workers that do not know how to ask for the things that they most deeply need from God. And if you don't ask on their behalf, who will? Do you hear me this morning? The family member, the co-worker, the friend that needs Christ, that that needs a gospel miracle in their life. They may have no idea how to ask God for those things. So if you and I, as believers, knowing Christ and having an opportunity to pray, are not asking on their behalf, are not ripping the roof off in prayer, making sure we get our friends to Jesus, who is going to ask? We want to confess and we want to ask. But then we want to praise. Four things. Confession, petition. Number three, praise. A part of our prayer life should be God-centered adoration. Should be a time where we articulate God-centered adoration. This is a moment where we're not confessing, saying, God, we're, we're sinners in need of your grace. This is a moment where we're not asking for anything. These are moments in our lives where we're just telling God who he is declaring, we're joining in. in. In those moments of praise, those prayers of praise, we're joining in with a galactic symphony that has been roaring that praise for the ages. Do you hear me this morning? The Bible says creation declares the glory of God. So there should be moments incorporated into our prayer lives where we're not petitioning and we're not confessioning. We're just saying, God, you are glorious. God, you are good. God, you are faithful. God, you are awesome. God, you are creator and sustainer and anchor and hope. God, you are all that we need. There should be moments where we articulate this God-centered adoration. 
So TJ, are you sure? Well, I got a couple for you, verses for you. I want you to hear these this morning as a pattern for us. Psalm 27, 1 through 2, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 75, 1, we give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks to your name. We recount your wondrous deeds. Daniel 2.20, blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belongs wisdom and might. Jeremiah 20.13, sing to the Lord and praise the Lord, for he has delivered the life of the needy from the hands of the evildoer. In Deuteronomy 10.21, he is your praise. He is your God. Who has done for you these great and terrifying things your eyes have seen? Articulate God-centered adoration. Last point this morning. When we've confessed and, and we've asked and we, we've praised, at some point in our prayer journey, there should be thanksgiving. There should be a moment in our journey with God, in our conversations with God, where we simply reflect and say thank you. You say, TJ, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure what to be thankful for this morning. I struggle with that. Well, we, we can start at the cross together and just kind of build from there. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the band's going to come this morning. And I'm just going to ask you a couple questions. When is the last time that you just spent some time confessing to God? When's the last time that you, you just said, God, I'm a sinner and you're a great Savior? I mean, has there been a time, and I don't want to show of hands, but think over the last 24 hours and what about the last seven days or 30 or last year? How many, how many times have you just sat with God and said, God, I've got, got a couple things that, that I need to confess and get off my chest with you. And see, this is what's beautiful about the Holy Spirit and the, the power of Christ. I don't, I don't have to stand here today and tell you what you, you should confess for this or you should do this, this is right and this is wrong. Most of you, while I'm even saying confession, the Holy Spirit has been so good to you that he's pricked little corners of your heart and you already know what you need to be confessing. When's the last time you confessed? Listen, when's the last time that you just asked God? How many of you, your hands are just weary from pulling your boots, you know, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and just, just trying to make it happen on your own. When's the last time you just stopped and you, you set the reins down and you turned over that lordship to Christ and you said, God, I just really need you right now. I really need some wisdom in this situation. I really need some, some grace in this relationship. God, Lord, I really need, I really need you to lead our family on on what the next step is. God, I really, I really need to know what to do with our finance. When's the last time that, that all these peripheral things that you think, man, God really doesn't want to know about those. Yeah, he wants to know it all. So when's the last time that you just asked? No matter how small it is this morning, when's the last time that you just sat alone with him and said, God, I want to ask you a few things if you don't mind. 
When's the last time that you just praised him? That you just thought about his wonder, his wonderful works and you just spoke out to him how good he's been, how faithful he's been, how kind and compassionate he's been. And when's the last time that you just sat in a moment of silence and said, God, thank you for the cross. If there's nothing else to say thank you for today, thank you for the cross. Thank you for doing what I could have never done for myself. Thank you. If we could this morning, let's just all bow our heads and close our eyes together. And There's nothing super spiritual about closing our eyes or bowing our heads. I just want to give you a minute to be alone. Not worrying about who's on your left or who's on your right. I'm just going to let a few moments of silence pass. So for just a second, can we just center our hearts on confession? If there are things in your heart and in your life that are roadblocking you in your relationship with Jesus, just use these next few moments of silence to confess those things, to share that with Him. moving from our confessions to petitions, are there things in your life that you just need some guidance, some direction, some strength, understanding, mercy, grace? Use this time to just ask God. from our asking we move into praise would you would you just tell him what he means to you this morning God you're good God you're faithful God you're for me God you're exalted in the heavens just say thank you. Take a moment just to thank God for the breath in your lungs. Thank him for the the cross and what he's done on your behalf through the person and work of Christ. Thank him this morning.